like to welcome to the PodMD studio, Dr. Helen Douglas. Dr. Helen Douglas is a specialist plastic surgeon at the SCAR Clinic Perth, specialising in burns, scarring and laser treatments. Dr. Douglas graduated in medicine in 2004 before starting her specialist plastic surgery training in the UK in 2011, which she completed in Perth, Western Australia. Helen is a fellow of the Royal Australasian College of Surgeons and the Royal College of Surgeons of England and was awarded the prestigious Ian McGregor Gold Medal for outstanding performance in her specialist examinations in 2015. Helen is currently a senior lecturer at the University of Western Australia and a clinical tutor at Cardiff University, where she undertook her master's degree in laser and wound healing and has done two laser fellowships. Today, we'll be discussing the topic of hypertrophic scar treatment. We do hope you enjoy this podcast, but please remember that the advice here is of a general nature and is not intended as specific advice about a given patient. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the doctor, not PodMD. If you do have a patient on whom you require specific advice, then please seek advice from a colleague with appropriate expertise in that area. The topic of today's discussion is hypertrophic scar treatment. Helen, can you firstly give us a brief overview about hypertrophic scars? Yeah, so I think we all learn at medical school that scars follow a very um, structured pathway. There's the hemostasis and then there's the inflammatory phase followed by proliferation of the scar, then remodelling and eventual maturity. And that is a process which takes about 18 months um, and is totally normal. Um, So it's totally normal for scars to get a bit more vascular and get a bit thicker. That's the proliferation phase. But I think where scars become, hypertrophic scars become problematic is when they get stuck in that phase or there's excessive time in the proliferative phase, um, meaning that there is more scar tissue formed um, and they become very, very red, very itchy and very sore. Um, and sore because they swell in hot weather when the skin would naturally get more blood supply in the heat. The scar gets more blood supply and it throbs um, and feels hot and uncomfortable. And in the cold weather, when our skin kind of like goes, everything goes a bit purple, the blood in the scar um, is um, achy, the patients tell me. And these scars can be unsightly. Patients don't like the look of them. Um, and often um, it's associated with the um, event that caused it, which could be traumatic, it could be surgical, um, and it's a reminder. Um, they can be very tight, they can restrict motion, particularly sort of across joints. Um, they're often acute, um, confused with keloid scars, and I think that's been going on for a very long time. And I think really... Um, There are some that are very, very obviously the keloid or hypertrophic. So, for example, if you pierce your ear and then you get a scar the size of a golf ball, that is what most people classically think of as a keloid, a very minor injury with a very large response of a scar that almost grows like a benign tumour. Whereas a hypertrophic scar stays within the bounds of the um, wound or line that it had, but gets very thick, um, itchy, red and sore. And I think, you know, some people describe it as a you know, thick red slug of scar tissue, but it's not usually like a ball or a tumour that grows. It just has gotten very thick over the proliferative stage. What are the most common causes of hypertrophic scar formation in patients? 
So I think these can be split into the types of injury that cause them. So some injuries are far more um, likely to produce hypertrophic scars, burns, because it's a um, large, usually a larger surface area and um, partial thickness injury to the skin that can take a while to heal or, or require a skin graft. Um, trauma, so any kind of traumatic uh, injury can um, damage the skin as it's cut, um, produce some... Um, uh, degloving effect and um, have some problems with healing. Um, post-surgical, if there's any delay in healing or um, infection around the area or if it's particularly tight, um, so those types of injury. Anatomical areas, some are more prone to it, particularly around the neck, the jaw, over the joints and the chest. Um, and young people, so children very frequently have hypertrophic scars um, and teenagers because of the increased growth hormone that they've got. And uh, as they grow, they put more tension on the scars, so it becomes a bit of a catch-22. Um, and the types of skin. Some people are genetically predisposed to forming thicker scars. And we find that these are sometimes in the very, very pale in our society and the very um, darker skin types, but they can occur in anyone. And sometimes in none of these, and they just occur anyway. They're pretty unpredictable. Could you provide an overview of the various treatment options available for hypertrophic scars? Again, I think I'll split these into non-invasive, so um, what we would call scar therapy, and that involves um, ways in which uh, we can manage to um, improve the scar without um, trying to treat it with anything invasive. So massage, moisturiser, um, making sure that uh, desensitisation, getting it used to be touched again, um, silicon to ensure it's being hydrated um, and pressure to try and squeeze the blood out of the scar either with garments or splints. And this is usually under the advice of an occupational therapist, very um, experienced in scar management, and it can be incredibly effective. Um, after that, I think there's the non-operative techniques, which is things like CO2 laser, um, steroid injections, and um, sometimes things like needling, um, where uh, you apply um, multiple needles to a scar. Um, the CO2 laser um, I've talked about in a different podcast, that involves drilling holes into the scar um, with the targeted micro damage that heals very quickly to try and flatten it down and remodulate it. And steroids involve reducing the inflammation. And then there's operative management where if you've got a small scar that um, has healed poorly, you can excise it and start again. Um, that's often not, um, always, that's not always possible um, or pref preferred by the patient. Um, so then in an operative way, you could try to reorientate the scar. If it was a traumatic one that healed badly or in a, or a direction that was very unfavourable, um, and you can do that with plastic surgery techniques such as a Z-plasty or a W-plasty, um, and you would usually combine it with some of the non-operative techniques, in my practice, CO2 laser, and certainly with some scar therapy. Are there any emerging therapies or innovative techniques in this field of hypertrophic scar treatment? Um, there certainly are, and it's an exciting field. So all of these involve stimulating collagen to remodel whilst minimising the damage and the downtime. Um, so like I say, the first one that I've got most experience with is the CO2 fractionated laser. In the last 15 years, that has really emerged as a powerhouse in scar modulation um, by perforating um, tiny columns into the scar and then heating the scar underneath it to... Um, 
make that collagen flatter and more like normal skin. And there's good evidence behind that. Um, a couple of large randomized control trials that came out of um, WI um, and um, some large series over from Sydney as well. Um, mostly, mostly concentrating around hypertrophic scars. There's also things like needling, which is like the derma roller kind of needle, which um, does the same thing, but inserts needles four millimeters into the skin rather than lasers. Um, but the theory is the same. You're creating damage to the scar um, and then stimulating it to remodel and heal. And then there's some newer things emerging, um, such as radio frequency um, and microneedling. So that involves applying electrical currents through um, needles or um, non-invasively into the scar to try again to modulate the collagen. Um, uh, like I say, I think um, the evidence is there for CO2 laser now, um, and it's probably going to be emerging for the other therapies soon. And what are the criteria for determining whether a patient is a suitable candidate for surgical or laser interventions? Um, well, I think... It's, uh, the first thing to say is it's not a binary option. Like the scar therapy, the CO2 laser is an adjunct sometimes to surgery or it can be monotherapy. Um, but I think if you've got a thick, red and angry scar, I think, as I've said before, I would have to be pretty convinced that reoperating would help. You know, it's that classic, isn't it? If plan A doesn't work and plan D, B doesn't work, C should be different to A and B. So I'd have to look at the reasons why they got a poor outcome. And if there are none, would I get a better result next time with scarring, with reoperation on scar? So if not, CO2 laser is um, very safe and low risk to try and flatten the scar, improve the symptoms. And then at the end of that um, scar journey treatment, you can reassess. Um, and also it can help make the tissue um, better prior to any surgery. So an example is if you have a thick red scar, particularly over something like a hand, and it's tight and you think, right, well, I need to release this with surgery because I need more tissue into it. Cutting through that scar when it's still in that 18-month maturation phase, particularly if it's tight and stuck in it, um, cutting into that can be like bleeding concrete. Um, so the risks of your graft loss, the risks of wound healing being poor are a lot higher um, if you are operating early. And I think the CO2 laser is great at also buying you time and improving that scar. So if you do need eventual surgery, it's more successful. And certainly that's what I've found doing my burns work. Um, and I think if anything's thick, red and unpleasant and you want to make it flatter and paler, it's very low risk and very um, uh, effective at that. And I think surgery, I would say, is really good if there's a reason that the scar poured, like delayed healing from a dog bite or it's stretched or angry. You'd want to revise that scar, but keep laser and scar therapy in your pocket. How can patients actively participate in their own hypertrophic scar management? I think that's a really good question because it can really empower them to make them feel like they're helping um, change what can be very unpleasant. Um, so all of the things which we mentioned to do with scar therapy can be very patient-directed. So they can have their own um, uh, symptom diaries, they can... Um, choose serial photographs to help us monitor, um, uh, involving them in how to moisturise and massage their scar, um, which silicon products to use that fit them and their lifestyle better, um, and in some people, pressure garments in the larger ones, you know, um, and making sure that it helps them feel like they're changing their scar as well. And what is the typical role of a GP in the initial assessment and management of patients with hypertrophic scars? Well, I think... 
The patient's own GP is going to know them best and will know that the timing of the intervention is key. Um, the scar, hypertrophic scar follows a natural process and I think um, they'll know at which point the patient is getting bothered by it and you know would prefer to have an intervention. Um, so if it's hypertrophic scar, if it's incredibly unpleasant, even early in the journey, they might think, well, this is going to be a long haul for this patient. Um, you know, they might know them very well and know that they're prone to keloid scarring because they've seen them before, um, or if they have an excessive reaction to scars. Um, so I think they'll be able to um, see and assess whether or not they've got poor scars for a reason or if this is part of their makeup. When should a GP refer a patient for treatment? I think if they feel their patient's got a scar that would like to be improved. Um, like we said before, it's a, scars are a reminder of trauma and just seeing their GP and discussing the impact, um, not only aesthetically, but functionally and psychologically, and then seeing a scar specialist to discuss the options. I think that I've had people tell me that can really help because they feel like they're being listened to and the impact of that scar on them is being understood. So if the GP is happy, thinks that it can be improved, I'm very happy to have a look at them. Thanks for your time here today in the PodMD studio. To sum up for us, could you please identify the three key take-home messages from today's podcast on hypertrophic scar treatment? So I think my first one is that the emerging therapies, and particularly CO2 laser, um, have been a real game-changer in non-surgical treatment of hypertrophic scarring, and that laser and surgery combined can give excellent results with scar therapy. And finally, that the multimodal approach um, is necessary with all of these to empower the patient, and that's key. Thank you, Helen, again for your time and the insights that you've provided. Thanks very much for having me.